So on this rather unique Mother's Day where mothers are balancing like three crises all at the same time. I mean, flood waters for some of us, but a boil water advisory for all of us. Uh, social isolating with the kids and sometimes with dads as well. And those dads, I, I get it, they might be worse than the kids, although maybe it's a toss up between dads and homeschooling. And, and then there's the uncertainty brought on by the collapse of oil prices, moms, you rock in the middle of all of this mess and uncertainty. I mean, we truly want to honor and uh, just uh, salute you this morning. And, and not only is this a, a rather unique Mother's Day, but today I, I want to look at a rather unique character that would not normally be featured on, on Mother's Day. And the character I, I want to look at doesn't really directly deal with COVID-19 and economic stuff and you know floods and all of that, but there is a connection. And the connection is, is that the character we're going to look at today gets this strength to become a difference maker in this world because of an encounter she had with Jesus. And that encounter transformed this woman into a woman that would be no longer, uh, you know, continually looking over her shoulder, hoping that nobody knew her shame. Uh, uh, she was transformed into a woman that uh, was not just lifted out of shame, but to a woman who was set free to live and love well and serve in a world that could be messy, hypocritical, and cruel. Well, we're talking about the story of the adulterous woman, and uh, we read about it. Uh, the Apostle John uh, writes about it for us, and let me read that story from the Gospel of John. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next day he was back again at the temple. A, a crowd soon gathered and, and he sat down and he taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught, caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus uh, stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and he said, all right, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. For those of you who may not know, uh, teachers of the religious law and Pharisees, they're kind of like gatekeepers. I mean, religious gatekeepers. They, they want to make sure that everybody did what they're supposed to do when it comes down to religion, that they did everything right. Now, because Jesus wasn't all that big on tradition, uh, because he colored a little bit outside of the traditional religious walls, there were a lot of people who didn't like Jesus. And something else I want you to see. It's interesting that they bring a woman who's caught in the act of adultery. I mean, I'm always a little intrigued here. Why is it just the woman? I mean, think about it. Maybe uh, ancient adultery was a little different than today because doesn't it take two to tango? Like, where's the dude, right? Is he sleeping in, having breakfast, catching up on the latest memes on the internet? 
Did he slip out back when he heard the camels spitting at the intruders? And by the way, camels do do that. Why was the guy not there? Why? Because it just didn't matter. The accusers here, they, they don't give a rip about justice. They weren't concerned about justice. If they would, they would have brought the man there. No, this woman was just a pawn. She's just a means to an end. Uh, she was bait to catch a bigger fish. And they knew that she was good bait because Jesus was a champion of women. And you need to see this as well. In first century Jewish and Roman culture, it was kind of a man's world. I mean, women, while valued, they just weren't valued as highly as men. And you have Jesus inviting women to travel with him and his male companions, which was kind of scandalous. And in story after story, you have Jesus elevating the value of women. I mean, he accepts their testimony. He publicly shows a compassion to women. Um, the teachers of the flaw, the, the Pharisees, they, they just kind of knew that Jesus was a sucker for women. Not, not in the sexual sense, but in the sense that he would defend women whenever he got the chance. So this whole situation was just a setup to get at Jesus. Here's the thing. This woman of ill repute, this, this woman who's been caught in the act of adultery is thrown in front of Jesus with all of these powerful men glaring down at her with hostility and really at the same time glaring at Jesus with hostility. And they pose this question to Jesus. Teacher, they say to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to Stoner, what do you say? And they're suggesting that it would be appropriate for all these men there to pummel this woman to death. The Bible says it. That settles it. Right, Jesus? As we read on, they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. Let me give you a, a simple version of the trap. They just wanted to get Jesus off the scene, right? They, they were trying to trap him to get him out of there. They, they wanted to set up Jesus so that he would lose his public... Uh, his public appeal, his public support. This was all about trapping Jesus in such a way that people would no longer want to listen to him. Because quite frankly, they, they didn't know what else to do. I mean, he's teaching God's ways, but he's doing it in such a different way that the people, the multitudes are just gravitating towards him and they're turning their back on the teachers, the law and the Pharisees. So yeah, this is not going well for them and they want Jesus out of there. The trap was this. In this situation... In this obvious case of adultery, Moses says you need to stone her. So if Jesus says no, he loses because he's now going against the teachings of Moses. And, and all the people there would go, no, no, you can't go against the teachings of Moses. You would have violated, I mean, he would have violated the Mosaic law. He would have lost popular support. But if he says yes, go ahead and stone her, then he violates the Roman law. This is a catch-22, lose-lose situation. I won't go into all of the details, but a Jewish person couldn't carry out a, a stoning, a, a lynching, an execution, you know, under Roman administration. Plus, Jesus' reputation for compassion and forgiveness, that would have taken a hit. So either way, yes or no, he loses, right? Put yourself in the situation now. You are one of the accusers. You're one of the teachers of law. You're one of the Pharisees. You're saying, this will work. This is a great plan. And you're high-fiving each other. And you can't wait until you see Jesus go down. 
and you're reaching into your backpack, right? Picking out your favorite stoning rock. You're ready to go. Let's keep reading. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. So you got all this tension and they're asking Jesus, what do you say? What do you say? Yes or no? And here's what Jesus does. He, he stoops down and he begins to write in the dust, right? Well, we don't know what he wrote. It's all conjecture. Maybe he wrote the Ten Commandments because they were wrote, written with the finger of God. Or, or maybe he wrote down the names of the guys in that group who had committed adultery. That would be kind of cool. Maybe he wrote, Jesus was here. Have a cool summer. I mean, we don't know. We actually don't have a clue what he wrote. But we do know what he said. He spoke his spoken words. They were very clear. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and he said, all right, stoner. But let those who have never sinned throw the first stone. Surprise. The trap has kind of been turned around. If you're a fan of wrestling, it's called a reversal or, or, or a takedown maybe. In football, you could call it a fumble or a recover for a touchdown. If you're not a sports fan, it's kind of like when you get a checkmate in chess and you just say, I got you, you're done, game over. Basically, Jesus got this brilliant response which broke the dilemma, but at the same time upheld the morality of the Jewish law. Because he didn't say what she did was right. The cliff's note here is, is Jesus is saying, I will not judge your sin. That's, that's not why I'm here. He refused to step into the role of judge. Willing, not at all. Capable, absolutely. I mean, he had the right to be the judge. Getting back to the story. Then he stooped down again and he wrote in the desk one more time. Why? I don't really know why. Is that a good enough answer? Okay. When I put myself there, when I use my imagination, I, I imagine maybe he did it so he, he didn't have to make eye-to-eye -eye contact with, with all of the people there who had shamed themselves and were just feeling their shame in the midst of this discussion that was going on, that they were there caught in their own sin. Maybe he did it to pause and to take some time to ponder, to wonder about this woman, what his dreams were for her that she would not have a life of shame, but she would have the life that God dreamed for her, a, a life of real love, a, a life of meaning, a, a life of purpose, a, a life of healthy, strong relationships. The same dream he has for all of us, the same dream he has for you. And then look what happens. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. People are walking away. And as they walk away, what are they doing? By walking away, they're admitting their own sin, right? You see that? Come on. Whether it's 2,000 years ago or today, for the most part, people know when they've sinned. For the most part, people know when they've blown it. They, they know when they've broken God's laws. They, they know when they've messed up and they're walking away. You can almost hear the guys mumbling, oh man, whose idea was that? One dumb idea. What are we going to do with all these stones? Then Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Oh, and take a look at the word woman there. That, that word woman that 
uh, is in the Greek there. It's the same word that uh, Jesus used to refer to his mom in John chapter 2. It's a word of endearment. Woman, where are your accusers? Jesus is now alone with this woman. She's got to be frightened. She's got to feel so ashamed. She's just one stone throw away from death. And Jesus, he just oozes compassion towards her. He cares about her. He cares about her in her pain and in her shame. Didn't even one of them condemn you? She said, no, Lord. And then Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. The only one who could legitimately throw a stone, he, he didn't even grab one in the first place. Instead, he pronounced her not guilty. He pronounced her not guilty because he knew that he was going to go to the cross to die for her sins. He was going to nail her sins to that cross. He knew that one day he would pay for that. This is a powerful moment. Don't lose sight of what's happening here. Forgiveness is always powerful. And God's forgiveness, there is nothing more powerful in that moment. Jesus not only let her out of an earthly death sentence, he, he let her out of an eternal death sentence. That's forgiveness. That, that's the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness over shame that so many allow to overtake our lives, right? Here's another important thing I'd like you to understand. Jesus didn't approve of her sin, but wow, Jesus approved of her. Jesus didn't bring up the sinful act. He, he brought up her future. He said, go live better. There was no condescending lecture. Jesus said, go and live better. Go and sin no more. Make some changes. You've been forgiven. Now, now go and act like it. Don't let shame define you. Just allow me to forgive you and let me write a new story that's filled with my power, my transforming power in your life to make your life better. A story that is personally written just for you. A story that will come alive in your soul. So why tell this story on Mother's Day? Because every woman in this room can identify with this story a little bit and not just every woman, but really all of us. We can identify with the shame that comes from feelings that you don't measure up, that you're not good enough, that your sexual past is not clean enough. For some, there's that child that you didn't allow to be born, and the shame is still there. Then there's the double standard of how men respond to women, not taking responsibility for their actions, not taking responsibility for their sin, for their abuse. I mean, consider what so many men have done to see the growth of the Me Too movement these days, right? And then there's just the reality that so many women in our city right now are feeling inadequate as they bear the brunt of homeschooling, keeping the house clean, meals prepped, while preserving everyone's sanity, let alone their own. Hey, I know you guys help too, but let's be honest. Even today, in most homes, the women still shoulder the brunt of that responsibility, right? Maybe not in your home, okay, but moms, okay, dads, maybe too. But like, how are you doing with keeping up with the curriculum that they keep sending you? Let, let's be honest, okay, let's, let's level here. Uh, only a handful of you are keeping up. And, and by the way, let me say to you, that's okay. Really, not keeping up with school right now is okay. 
This will not destroy your kid's future by what's happening or not happening right now. But the pressure, right? The pressure is on, isn't it? And, and, and my apology to you teachers, I know you're doing the best that you can. You're working well with these kids and, and you're trying so hard, but just be a little easy on the parents, okay? So whatever is making you feel like you're just not making it or you're not good enough or you're not measuring up, you have maybe some shame from junk in your past, on this Mother's Day, I want you to see Jesus. I want you to see the same compassion of Jesus that's flowing to you is the same compassion that flowed to this adulterous woman as, as Jesus kneeled down before her, protected her from those men and the unreasonable expectations they had of her while they let the boyfriend off scot-free. Right now, Jesus is bending down to you saying, I love you. You're a beautiful daughter. I do not make junk. You can do this. You were not defined by your shame. You were not defined by your past. Let me heal your brokenness. Let me lift you up out of your shame. Let me lead you into a better future. Jesus is saying to you, go and live better. Go and live and love well. Go and be a difference maker in your family, where you work, the street you live on. Go and understand, you don't have to do it all. Just do what you can the compassion and protection that Jesus gave to that adulterous woman, he, he wants to give to you. I mean, no matter who you are, what, whatever's in your background, he wants to fill you with his life-giving spirit so that the love of Jesus just spills out of you at home, at work, on your street, wherever you happen to be. So will you respond to Jesus right now? Will you respond to the love and the forgiveness he offers? And I think for each of us, uh, what that looks like will be a little bit different because each of us are bringing our own stuff, our own issues to Jesus, and not all our issues are the same. Your junk isn't the same as my junk, but we all got junk. And, and no matter what your junk is, Jesus wants you to experience his, his power, his power to change, his compassion, and his forgiveness. So as your pastor, I've been praying, I've been praying that the Spirit of God might, might ambush you with this truth and, and that you would just be open to allowing God to not only forgive and heal, but that you would let him transform you. Friends, God does not want you to define your life by past shame. He, he does not want you to define your life by current cultural ex expectations of what a real woman or a real man should look like. Jesus just wants you to be defined by the truth of him being compassionate and forgiving, of him being powerfully able to transform your life for the better. He wants your life and the life of your friends and family and coworkers defined by the love of our God who's powerful, compassionate, and forgiving. Will you allow Jesus to love you? Will you receive his love today? Will you allow Jesus to define you by his love that is powerful, compassionate, and forgiving. Will you let Jesus fill you with his life-giving spirit? With that, will you pray with me? Father God, uh, on this Mother's Day, I thank you for all the women, all, all the mothers watching or listening today who are so deeply loved by you. Help not only all the women and mothers today know that you are powerful, compassionate, and forgiving. Help all of us to know that personally and deeply.
And now I'm going to ask you to kind of enter into this prayer with me a little bit and talk to God yourself right now. And I want to say to all of you who are listening or watching right now, would you allow your feelings of shame, would you let Jesus replace those feelings with his compassion? Would you just say yes to Jesus? Fill me with your forgiveness. Fill me with yourself. Would you just say, Jesus, uh, I need you to move and work in my life in new and fresh ways and allow him to erase the past and empower you to live well now. Just say yes to Jesus. And then maybe pray this with me. Why don't you pray something like this with me? God, I don't want to be the same. I, I don't want to be influenced or driven by my shame. I, I don't want to be influenced or driven by the pressure culture puts on me to perform. I want to be defined by the reality that you live in me. And I ask you by your spirit to help me to live and love well. Help me to navigate these crazy times well. Help me to get through the pressures of these days of social isolation, the impact of floods, the economic uncertainty as you fill me with your compassion and life-stabilizing power. Lord, would you help me to see that every day you are powerful, compassionate, and forgiving. May, may that stir something in me that causes me to rise up and to worship you, not only with my words, but with what I do day by day. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.